your Bibles, would you turn with me please to Luke chapter 12. And uh, Luke chapter 12 and verses 6 to 7. And uh, when you found that, I'd like you now to keep your finger in the place so you don't lose it, okay? And we're going to go to Matthew and chapter 10. <laughs> Matthew chapter 10. Thank you so much, Mary, for playing for us tonight. Matthew chapter 10. And verse 29 to 31. And these are the same words of the Lord Jesus. He preached this message twice. But you'll see on one occasion he said one thing slightly different to the other. Or two things slightly different to the other. Which I'll point out as we look at it in the sermon. But, but Matthew chapter 10 and verse 29. He said, are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Now, please put a bookmarker or something or keep a, a finger in that place because we're going to come back to that uh, before the evening's over. But now into Luke chapter 12. And we're going to start just from the beginning of the chapter to give it a bit of context. It says, in the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together so that they trampled one another, he began to say to his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light. And what you have spoken in the ear and inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that, have no more they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him, that's God, who after he has killed you, killed, I should say, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So please keep the Bible open there. Now, on July the 3rd, 1936, Cambridge Cricket Club were playing Marylebone Cricket Club at Lord's Cricket Ground. That's where that place is there, Lord's Cricket Ground. It's the big cricket ground in London uh, where our test matches are played. And on that day when uh, these two teams were playing, a, a remarkable thing happened. Indian fast bowler Jangar Khan was bowling Tom Pierce when they noticed a little bird had been hit by the cricket ball. 
They went over and they looked at it and it was a little sparrow. And sadly, it had been killed by the ball. Carefully, they picked up the little sparrow and the ball and they took it home into the clubhouse. And later, it was stuffed and set on a stand with the cricket ball in the centre of the memorial gallery at the cricket club. And to this day, it is the centrepiece. It's in a, in a special case in the centre. It is the centrepiece. And it is known, get this, as the Lord's Sparrow. <laughs> now, isn't that just amazing? You can see where I'm going with this already, can't you? What an amazing thing. I, and I think, you know, what are the chances, first of all, of that little bird even being hit by the cricket ball? I mean, that alone is, is amazing. Uh, and then that it should be at a place called Lord's and it should be kept there and honoured in such a way. Uh, and I'm sure, uh, I'm personally persuaded anyway, that the Lord Jesus meant that for us so that we would remember this particular teaching of his about the sparrow. Because not a sparrow falls to the ground, as he said, without our Lord knowing about it. You see, this is actually one of the most beautiful teachings in all of the Lord Jesus' instruction to the 12 disciples. That we are, as he says here in Luke 12 uh, and verse, uh, verse 7, more precious than many sparrows. And I want us to look at this tonight for our encouragement and comfort. Because, you know, as Christians, the Bible says we are like sparrows. Uh, Isaiah, sorry, not Isaiah, Psalm 102 and verse 7 says, I lie awake and am like a sparrow alone on the housetop. That's what the psalmist said. And in Psalm 84, verse 3, we're told even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my God, King and my God. In other words, the sparrow finds its house, its place in the house of God, which is where God's children love to come to worship. It's a picture of the Christian. It's interesting to me that Moses' wife was called Zipporah. And Zipporah is the Hebrew word for sparrow. And uh, it's a picture. She was a Gentile and he was the deliverer. And it's a picture of Christ and his church, the bride. And we are like that little sparrow he has taken to himself. And I, I think this is one of the most beautiful teachings in scripture. Now the context of this scripture is persecution. That's why I wanted to read verses 1 to 6 so you could see that uh, in its setting. Because it's very important not to take passages out of their context and make them say something they don't say. Uh, this passage was this teaching was given against the context of persecution. You'll notice back in verse 1 uh, there was an in, uh, an innumerable multitude of people who were gathering there to the Lord Jesus and his disciples so that people were even being trampled on each other. That's how big the crowd was. You ever seen a football crowd coming out of a, a, a big international match and they're all pushing and heaving out of the stadium? Well, it's something like that. They're all around Jesus and it's, it's the peak of his popularity. Now, the Lord Jesus had three years of ministry before going to the cross. And Christian scholars identify these, first of all, as his year of obscurity, where he wasn't well known, but he did miracles to bring attention to himself so that people could hear his teaching. 
The second year is his year of popularity when everybody floods around him. And the third year is when they start turning against him. And that's called his year of opposition. Those are the three years of Christ's ministry. And we're at the turning point between the year of popularity and the year of opposition. And the Lord Jesus knows and understands what's going on. The crowds are there to hear him. But his word to the disciples is beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Now, this was a warning against their their behavior and their teaching. They had sneaky teachings that they would uh, try and work uh, amongst themselves. And one of the ways they caught people was by traps. You remember they caught the woman in adultery and they dragged her into the temple to to bring her to Jesus and uh, to test him with. And Jesus is saying something like this. He says, beware of their traps. They're like devils with dog collars on is basically what he's saying. They look religious but they are dangerous people they're hypocrites they're not actually your friends and he says there's nothing that is you're going to say in verses two to three that won't be broadcast from the housetops now some people think he's talking there about our sinful speech well that is a warning of course but what he's really saying is beware because be wise how you speak because they will take what you say and twist it around and you will find yourself in court in a flash You know, this is what he's warning them about against this background of persecution. Now, that might have made the disciples very afraid. So he says to them in verses 4 and 5, actually, it's not the persecutors you need to be afraid of. You need to fear the Lord. If you fear the Lord, you won't fear man, as John Bunyan said. And he said, fear God. He is greater than man. And it's better to be on God's side than to be uh, against God and uh, face his judgment because he has the power to cast people into hell. Uh, But if you're on God's side, then uh, you're safe. And then against that background in verses 6 and 7, he gives this beautiful teaching about the sparrows because he's saying the God who you fear and revere is actually the God who loves you so much. And so our fear of God is tempered by the knowledge of his inestimable love for us, which is beautiful. I love the balance that there is here. And so this comfort is, uh, uh, is, is given in this context to the disciples. And I want us to look tonight and see the three things the Lord says to us about the fact that we're more precious than sparrows to him. He says that that's the case because we're individually precious We're intimately precious and we're incomparably precious. And uh, we're just going to have a look at these three thoughts briefly tonight. So first of all then, we are individually precious. In verse 6, Jesus says, Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And yet, and not one of them is forgotten before God. Now, I don't know how much you know about sparrows. The only thing I knew about sparrows before researching for this sermon uh, was the old joke about what do do sparrows do when they have to jump out of an aeroplane? They put on a sparrow chute. And uh, (laughs) that's about as good as it gets, folks. (laughs) Uh, uh, So that's all I knew. But, But reading up on Wikipedia, I found some amazing things about sparrows. Did you know there's 1.4 billion sparrows on the planet? They're almost, what they would say is ubiquitous. They're everywhere. They're on every continent. They're all over the world. Wherever you find humans, you find sparrows. Because these particular little birds love 
human habitat and love to be where humans are. In fact, they are so broadly over the planet, they have been seen in the most remarkable places. They have been seen 2,100 feet below ground down in coal mines. A pair of breeding sparrows were found that deep, that's 640 metres below ground. And in contrast to that, sparrows have been seen at night on top of the Empire State Building in America eating their tea up on the top. So height and depth as well as breadth, these birds are everywhere. And there's apparently about 12 subspecies of these birds. And in Bible days, these birds were, uh, were very, very well distributed across the land of Israel. There is even something called the Dead Sea Sparrow, which is uh, what I read in a book by Peter Goodfellow. I've got a book on birds of the Bible at home. And uh, he, they, they were everywhere. And they were really, I'm, I'm sorry to say this, and I don't get upset with me, but they were the poor man's food. Now, you're looking at me looking very cross about that, but just remember, most people in this room ate a chicken for dinner today, okay? So, and that also is a bird, okay? So, uh, uh, don't, it's, it's, you know, it, it was the poor man's food. And uh, they used sparrow pots to catch them, which were like bird nesting boxes. And they would catch them. And because they were so easy to catch, or they would use nets to catch them when they were in bushes and catch larger numbers, they became the poor man's food. And uh, you would buy them in the marketplace. They would be killed, and you'd buy five on a skewer to take home, uh, like a kebab. I know it doesn't sound very nice. This is not a children's talk, I promise you. (laughs) Uh, And you would buy five... Five little sparrows, and by the way, they still eat sparrows in many countries, uh, apparently. They still eat it in many Asian countries, in China and so on. And uh, it is uh, uh, still, still food to help feed people. And uh, they, they would buy five on uh, a skewer. As Jesus says here, for two copper coins, five sparrows for two copper coins. Now, this is quite interesting because the copper coin was just as the sparrow is the smallest bird uh, of them all, you have the copper coin, which is the smallest coin with the least value. And in Israel, you had, you had three types of currency. You had Roman coins, uh, which had the head of Caesar on. Then you had Greek coins, which were like the silver drachma. And the poorest of all were the Jewish people's own coins, and they were made of copper. And you had four of these uh, to like four, four to a pound would be like the equivalent of that. They, they cost uh, next to nothing. So if you bought five sparrows for two copper coins, it was very, very cheap indeed. And it wasn't very, they weren't worth very much in the marketplace. In fact, it's very interesting. If you compare these two passages I got you to read with Matthew 10 as well, you will just see how, how cheap they were. Back in Matthew chapter 10, on a different time when Jesus preached this, Matthew recorded that he said, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? Now, Luke says, are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? Apart from the fact that it's interesting, the Lord wanted us to compare these scriptures. And I think that's insight that he had the Gospels planned out. But that's a whole study on itself. But what we see here is that 
when they sold them in the marketplace, you have two for one, or I'll throw in a free one and you'll have five for two. And that extra one is like, it's, it's free. It costs nothing. It means nothing to the people who are selling it. But to God, he says, not one of them is forgotten by God. Every one of those sparrows is known by God. They're not forgotten by him. Each one individually. In fact, the Matthew passage is even more touching. Because he says uh, in Matthew 10.29, And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. Now that phrase in the Greek can be translated two ways. Uh, one way of interpreting it, say about them falling to the ground, is, is to translate them hopping on the ground. And if you look at sparrows, sparrows feed off the ground. And uh, they come down and they hop down on the ground to pick up their food. And he's saying the Lord knows every time a sparrow does that, he's watching that sparrow and he cares for it. But actually... Uh, I think there's another interpretation because Jesus says here that the sparrow doesn't fall to the ground apart from your father. Now, it says here in, in, in my Bible, apart from your father's will. The Greek literally is apart from your father. And the inference in the mind of the Bible translators is it's apart from your father's will. But George Campbell Morgan, a great Bible teacher, said he doesn't believe that's right. He thinks it's apart from your father. As if to say, every time a little sparrow dies, like that sparrow at Lord's Cricket Ground, the Lord is there. That little creature, so ins- insignificant to man's, uh, in man's economy, matters to God, and he is there when that little sparrow dies and that's an incredible incredible realization you know with the lord you know he's so great and yet as our creator he still cares for each one of his creatures now don't get me wrong sparrows can be annoying according to uh, the wikipedia article i read sparrows have learned how to open supermarket doors automatic supermarket doors that have lasers so they can fly inside the supermarkets and nick the food and I've been in restaurants when sparrows have come in to nick food they can be a pest and in some countries they are seen as a pest and definitely in the Netherlands in 2005 one sparrow was definitely considered a a pest because on domino day and yes there is a domino day in the Netherlands they made a 4.3 million size picture out of dominoes. And this little sparrow flew in the building and knocked over the first domino before they finished the picture. And 23,000 dominoes had to be reset again as they all fell over as a result of one of these little birds coming in. You know, they can be annoying. But they still matter to God. And you know the point is this. That's like you and me. You know. What are we on the face of the earth? We're one of 8 billion people. And yet God cares for us. Individually. We might be annoying sometimes. And I know I can be annoying sometimes. And I'm sorry. But you know what. 
we matter to God individually, no matter what. And it's an incredible realisation. You know, sometimes when, I'm, when I was a child, I used to look at these pictures of football matches, like I said, World Cup or something like that, and look at all those people. And you just feel like, you know, in the face of this planet, we're just lost in the crowd, aren't we? You know, at school, there were a thousand kids in my year. You know, so, like, wow, that's it. Oh, I'm, what am I? Just nothing. Nothing. And yet to God, he knows me personally and cares for me. It was a, I don't know if any of you get the uh, uh, Samaritan's Purse little prayer diary magazines. Excellent. And shows the uh, work that Samaritan's Purse, a Christian charity, do. And uh, if ever you've seen these shoe boxes that we make up with little gifts and they send them out to other places in the world where there's a lot of poverty and the kids won't get Christmas presents. Samaritan's Purse take these shoe boxes with gifts in and they present them uh, to children in the name of the Lord Jesus and they send a Christian message of love with them. Well, I came across this beautiful testimony of this girl in Mongolia and uh, she received a shoe box when she was a little girl. Now, she was so excited when they came to the school that day and she received this this shoe box and inside there was a girl's hairbrush there was a cuddly toy there was you know there was uh, stationery there were things for uh, you know use uh, uh, cosmetics and stuff she hair clips she was over the moon but she said this I can vividly remember the excitement I had when I opened the box for the first time and I also found a letter in my shoe box and it said this You are valuable and so loved by God. That was an important message to me. Even today, it is still so close to my heart. You know why that was so precious to her? Because her parents and her grandparents came from a culture where you never tell a child they are loved. You think about that. She said, nobody had ever told me I was loved before. But she said, I was loved by God. And it just hit her. And she gave her heart. She read the little magazine book that came with it. Gave her heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And now she and her husband uh, are going out to another town in Mongolia to share the love of Christ uh, with other people as a result of God's love. Isn't that just beautiful? And you know what? God loves you individually. I want to tell you that tonight. God loves every single one of you individually. We sometimes say to the children about that famous verse in the Bible, John 3 verse 16, which says, For God so loved the world, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the gospel in a nutshell. But we often say to children, you know, you can take the word world out and you can put your own name in there. For God so loved Darren that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved Mavis, Amy, Beryl, Jane, whatever. I'm just choosing names out of a, out of a hat. Sorry, I've got some people here tonight. But you know, you can put your name in there. And it's true that God loves you individually as well as God loves the world. What an amazing teaching the Lord Jesus given. Not one of them is forgotten by God and you're worth more than the sparrows. Second thing we see here 
is he's teaching that we are not only individually precious, but we are intimately precious in verse 7. And he says, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. You know, there's a hymn, a beautiful old hymn. We don't sing it very much now, uh, but the rock, Christian rock band, the Newsboys, did a cover of it. And that's where I first heard of it. And uh, I've come to love it as well. It's called His Eye is on the Sparrow. Some of you may remember that old hymn. His eye is on the sparrow and his eye, and I know he watches me. And that's the point of what Jesus is saying here in the next part of the verse. Because he's talking here not only about how much God knows, loves us individually, but how intimately he loves us too. And the proof of that is God has numbered every single hair on your head. Now, the average head, and I'm talking average here, okay, sorry some of you, <laughs> but uh, the average head has 100,000 hairs on it. Uh, according to one book I read, and 140,000 hairs according to another. If you want to prove me wrong, go ahead. <laughs> but uh, that's how many hairs are, are estimated on the human head. But God doesn't work in estimations. He knows exactly how many hairs there are on your head. Isn't that amazing? Now, it's even better than that. A lot of Christians say, say, oh, God counts the number of hairs on your head. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say God counts them. It says God has numbered them. You know what the difference is? Numbering is when you place a value on something. It's, it's what you do when something is precious. And God's care is seen not only through the, it's not only seen through the telescope, but through the microscope of our lives as well. And he doesn't just care about the big things. He cares about the most minute details about us that even we don't know about ourselves. I don't know how many hairs I've got in my head. You know, but God knows those minute details even more than I do. And this is the God who we're told in the book of Isaiah has numbered the very planets and stars in space. Isaiah 40 tells us he's numbered them all and he calls them all out by name. The astronomers don't know how many stars and planets there are in space. Every time they build another super telescope, the number gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And the size of the universe gets bigger. They don't know. But God knows the number of them all. Those whopping great big planets like, you know, uh, Jupiter and so on. Absolutely huge. And yet God equally knows the number of hairs on our head. How small details this is. And what this is telling us is that God is in charge of the little providential details of our lives. And cares about the smallest matters that, uh, that we we, we don't even know about ourselves. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, the Baptist preacher, said this. Minute is the providence of God taking care of you, even as to that part of your person which is not vital and without which you could still live on. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. The tiniest and most insignificant benefits are all ordered by his eternal purpose. It's an incredible reality, isn't it? To know that God knows us that, that deeply. And if he knows how many hairs there are on your head, he knows everything else about you as well. The Bible says God collects all your tears in his bottle. Remember that psalm? Beautiful, isn't it? 
Every time you've cried in your life, God has noted it. He's cared for about it. He knows our sighs and our cries, our tears and our fears, and every detail is known to him. He's not just running a factory here of machines, churning out people that mean nothing to him. Every individual matters before him. A church minister went to visit a man who'd been a Christian for many years, and uh, this old man was dying, and, and the minister said to him, He said, I expect now you're finding great comfort in the fact that you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour. And the man said to the minister, yes I am. And I'm so glad I know Christ as my saviour. But he said, pastor, I want you to know I'm comforted by even more than that. He said, the ground of my comfort is that he knows me. Isn't that beautiful? He knows me. And that can be the ground of your comfort too. And as you go into this week, this week, with all that it holds, every single little annoying detail and every real thing of big consequence to you, you can know the Lord knows it all and he helps in the way as we turn to him in prayer. The third and final thing we see here is that the, we're more precious than sparrows. And this teaches us we are immeasurably precious. Because the last verse, part of verse 7 says, Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Now, Jesus gave us the price of five sparrows there for two copper coins. And uh, that, was, that was what it was in its day. But Imagine if you had all the sparrows and you could sell them in the market. It would be worth a few more pounds. But you know, Jesus says, you are more precious than many sparrows and the value of them. And he came to prove that by dying on the cross for your sins. You see, God never sent his son to die for the sparrows. But he sent him to die for you. In fact, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews in chapter 2 that Jesus didn't even come and die for the angels. That's amazing, isn't it? Because the angels never sinned. (laughs) They don't need a saviour, but they're also not the ones he was made in the image of when he, he became like a son of Adam when he was born. He came to die for humans. He came to die for you. And so God paid the greatest price he could ever pay to have you back. You know, the most precious thing I have in my life, apart from my wife, is my children. They are worth more to me. And I couldn't give them up for anything. But God gave up his son for us. Now, I want you to think about this. When God saw his precious son on the cross dying for your sins, do you think if there was another way he could save you, he would have taken it? I would have done But there wasn't. This was the way he had to save us. By him paying for our sins with his blood so we could be forgiven. And he was willing to pay the price so that we could be reconciled to him. There's a lovely story and there's a number of stories connected with this hymn. But Charles Wesley, the great hymn writer, uh, wrote a hymn called Jesus, lover of my soul, let me to thy bosom fly. There's a number of stories behind the hymn, but the one that I'm most familiar with and the one I believe is the true one is the fact that Charles Wesley was at his desk one day and his desk overlooked his his back garden and he saw a sparrow being hunted by a sparrow hawk. 
Now, those birds are pretty mean, aren't they? You see them in the back garden, and uh, they leave carcasses on the ground all the time. And he, this little sparrow was in a frantic panic to get away from the sparrow hawk, and it was flying straight towards his window ledge. So do you know what Charles Wesley did? He opened the window and let the little bird fly in and he quickly closed the window on the sparrow hawk. But as he leant, his jacket flew open and the little bird saw darkness and flew into the safety of his, of his jacket. And that's where his inspiration came. He said, Lord Jesus, let me be like that with you. Jesus, lover of my soul, let me to thy bosom fly. Let me fly to you for safety. You came to be my rescuer, so I don't have to go to hell. And I want that salvation you give. Now, if you can say that tonight, that that's what you want, then I would urge you to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ equally too. You are more precious to him, immeasurably precious, so much that God sent his only son for you. So may... You be encouraged next time you see the sparrows in your garden or on the way home, even tonight. You're more precious according to the Lord Jesus, not according to John Eichen, but according to the Lord Jesus than many of these beautiful little birds.